interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety-nine three KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. It's a, we, hey, it's March. You're supposed to expect this kind of weather, right? But it's not too cold. I went to the first two Husker baseball games, and you know what? You bundle up, you wear a blanket, and uh, even this weekend, you know, you bundle up, you you bring a blanket with you. It's going to be okay. Let's root on those Huskers. And uh, they're, uh, it's early in the season, but see a lot of good things so far. Uh, and by the way, the snow this week, how weird. But uh, boy, as quickly as it came, as quickly as it, as it left, and we need the moisture. So as I say, snow, snow, snow all the way you want to. We need it. And uh, hopefully, uh, man, oh, man, I hope your lawn is greening up a little bit. Mine still looks crispy as, as a, a bowl of wheat checks. And uh, I, I hope it, it greens up, but we'll, we'll, we will see. It's good to have in studio today uh, someone who I have not had an extended conversation with, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, because I heard about this, uh, the work that this group was doing uh, a few years ago, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting, and I wanted to have uh, an opportunity to talk about it. it the, the, the group, the work is called Atlas Lincoln, and uh, the guy I'm talking to today, who I'm not sure the exact title, I'll get that for him in a minute, but it's uh, Brody Van Ruckel, who's, uh, what, what's your title, executive director? Yep, got it, Stu. All right, nailed it. Uh, Atlas Lincoln, and uh, give me a brief overview of uh, Atlas Lincoln, and we'll get back to it in just a minute. For sure. Yeah, so Atlas serves people through mentorship and peer support. So basically what that looks like is uh, folks come to us struggling with a number of issues in their life, whether that's substance abuse, mental health, income insecurity, incarceration, or you know any of the typical things that that life throws at us and are just looking for that added layer of support through an individual relationship. So Atlas works to pair people that come to us with those situations with other individuals who've walked through those situations. So for somebody um, dealing with substance abuse, you want to connect them with somebody who's got a lot of time of recovery, sort of like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we'll get, we'll get a little, a little deeper into those waters, but first, uh, Brody, where are you from? I'm originally from Northwest Iowa, a little town called Sioux Center. Ah, Sioux Center. So Northwest Iowa. Now my, uh, sister went to school up there at a little school called Northwestern. That's uh, in Orange, Orange, Orange City. City. Yep. yep. Uh, how I far agree. is it from that? Uh, about 15 miles. Oh, not yeah. very far at all. Nope. Yeah. I went to Northwestern myself. So what? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a couple of, uh, alums there. Yeah. From, we get a, in our circles, we get a lot of folks going to that. Uh, and then also right down the road from there is Dort college mm-hmm. and, uh, I, who I believe are the arch enemies of Northwestern. Yeah, big rivalry. Yes. Uh, we're, <laughs> is it now we joke, but is, is it kind of actually a rivalry up there? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's softened in more recent days, but there's, <laughs> there's plenty of trash talking that goes back and forth. I'll tell you, there is nothing worse than, than, uh, uh, Dutch reform trash talk, <laughs> which, uh, which, which I grew up with because I grew up in the Dutch reform church here in, in town. Sure. And, uh, so there, the old, uh, and my dad grew up in a little Dutch community South of, uh, Lincoln, uh, uh, Firth. Gotcha. And, uh, so it's not, by the way, it's not easy being non non Dutch in a little Dutch community. Right. <laughs> so right. He, he experienced that firsthand. 
but uh, but it's it's still it's a it's a sweet little town. So how did you work your way out of Northwest Iowa and uh, uh, and so you go to Northwestern College and where to from there? Yeah, so after I graduated from Northwestern, I uh, moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and attended Western Michigan University and did a master's degree in medieval history. Uh, which Ooh. is as practical as <laughs> it sounds. Um, but right at about uh, one semester left in my program, I was back home uh, in Sioux Center, which is actually where the very first Atlas was founded mm. uh, by a guy that's just been a longtime family friend, mentor for me, has helped kind of guide me through a lot of life situations. Mm. And he told me about this group of people in Lincoln that were trying to start up an Atlas and said that it would kind of be a little bit more my speed being kind of an urban type mm-hmm. of environment and mm-hmm. and basically uh i don't want to say strong armed me but but strongly <laughs> encouraged me maybe would be a good way to put it uh to to just even check it out and mm-hmm. so the next day i drove down here uh met with jeff Hirspink, who is the founding board president and honestly within five minutes of being in the neighborhood it it, it felt like this was the place where I needed to be. So yeah, finished yeah. up my degree and moved down here after that. Now, the neighborhood. So Jeff is the uh, the senior lead pastor there at F Street Neighborhood Church, yep. which is at 13th and 13th F? and F, yep. 13th and F. And uh, so that, uh, that, we would call that a core, core Lincoln neighborhood down there, kind of right next to downtown. Uh, what was it that you expected or didn't expect from uh, 13th and F? Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, I'd only spent probably four hours of my entire life in Lincoln before moving here. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't know much about it, um, but I always got a sense that it was kind of this, that smaller feeling town to it. And so to drive into the neighborhood and to be able to see and experience, you know, just some of those struggles that, that people were walking through um, brought me back to, I worked with a ministry in New Orleans for a number of years um, kind of through summer, spring breaks, things like that. And I just felt so connected to uh, just serving people in those urban environments. And so mm-hmm. to be able to see that here in Lincoln uh, was was just kind of fit the pieces together uh, to be kind of back doing what I was getting to do in New Orleans. Gotcha. There are other, uh, now as you've assimilated into Lincoln a little bit, what are some of the some of the things that maybe you expected or some of the things that surprised you about the community? Yeah, I think the the biggest surprise has been just the the connectedness of this community. Um, I remember probably two or three months after I moved here, still, you know, didn't know more than five or seven people. I was just walking around downtown, checking it out on a a Sunday afternoon, and I saw people that I knew. Mm. I was like, how how does that happen in a (laughs) city of 300,000 people to just just cross paths with somebody you know? Um, And being able to... uh, you know, connect with people on a face-to-face basis and just the, the welcome, I think that I've received here, not being a native Lincoln person, mm-hmm. um, has been really, has been really incredible. And, and by the way, not even, not just, you know, a native Lincoln person or na- native Nebraskan, but an Iowan, yeah. <laughs> you know, which, you know, I don't know if you've noticed lately, but you know, that's, that's, for some people, that makes you an arch enemy. Yeah, for sure. I make sure so. not to wear any uh, black and gold on a regular basis. <laughs> yes, I was. I was wondering if, because if you're in Northwest Iowa, do you root for Iowa, Iowa State, or do you secretly root for Nebraska, or do you root for Minnesota? Or I mean, there you got a lot of options. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of in a crossroads up there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Grew up uh, definitely rooting for the Hawkeyes. 
Uh, my dad is still a big Hawkeyes fan, so I follow him enough so I can talk with him about it. But yeah. uh, honestly, I'm just a huge sports fan. Anything anything competition-wise, I love to watch it. Yeah, yeah. How far did you grow up then from Sioux Falls? How far is that? It's about an hour, 15 minutes okay. or so. So it's far enough you don't just pop over for no reason. It's, right. Because I've always thought that Sioux Falls uh, has a lot of similarities to Lincoln in terms of just maybe a little bit smaller, but... But kind of a kind of a big small town kind yeah, of a feel. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you uh, anything that uh, you you've learned about Lincoln that was uh, again just very unexpected? Maybe something that uh, I mean, one of the things that I've, I've I've grown I've grown up here. I've lived here most of my life, so I'm fairly nose blind to a lot of things. <laughs> one of the jokes about Lincoln is you can get anywhere in 20 minutes. Oh goodness, yeah. It's it's pretty true, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. How much? Uh, how how much of again? Uh, your ministry is more focused toward downtown, near South kind of neighborhood. Uh, how much have you gotten out to see the rest of, uh, you know, South Lincoln and and so forth? And and how much has that been a part of of uh, your your adaptation here to Lincoln? Yeah, for sure. So I I get I get around quite a bit throughout Lincoln just to you know different meetings, connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do is just sit down with somebody for a cup of coffee or lunch and have a conversation, get to know them. Um, so just being able to get around Lincoln in that way and meet new people in different spaces, um, Atlas wise, you know, we focus pretty heavily on kind of those South of downtown neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've had people across Lincoln who have heard about us in one way, shape or form have reached out. Um, and we try to be as accessible as possible, you know, to go visit people where they're at, if they can't get transportation or, um, you know, a few of my uh, guys that I work with are incarcerated either here at the county jail or in Omaha or mm-hmm. Tecumseh. So just being able to be mobile in that way to get out and see them where they're at. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take our first break. And then when we come back, um, I want to just get a little bit into the nuts and bolts about, uh, again, how it was founded and kind of the core. Uh, cause the word mentoring comes up a lot on the website. <laughs> and yeah. So the, uh, uh, and I, I, it's interesting. I think a lot of people think, well, I don't have the skills to be a mentor. And, and so I want to dig into that a little mm-hmm. bit. Who, what, what kind of person, I mean, obviously every group needs financial support and so forth, but, but, uh, my understanding is you need volunteers too. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. Sound good. Sounds awesome. All right. It's a friendly fire Saturday. Uh, talking to Brody Van Ruckel today from uh, Atlas Lincoln. Glad to have you along. Freshen up the coffee. We're just getting started on a friendly fire Saturday here on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday uh, talking with uh, Brody Van Ruckel here. He's the uh, executive director of Atlas Lincoln. And you mentioned a little bit about how Atlas got started in uh, Northwest Iowa, but there are, how many Atlas chapters are there right now then? There's a dozen now nationwide. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And, and uh, most of them in the Midwest or, or different places? Yeah, most are in the Midwest area. Um, currently, there is one in Georgia. Um, there's also been Atlas campuses in Michigan, California. Um, all of them kind of have connection to that that original spot in mm-hmm. Sioux Center. Mm-hmm. And what was that? And who was the guy who was the, like this, you mentioned your your, men, your mentor. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and how, did he, how did this vision come about? Yeah, so uh, his name is Jerry Kieft. Um, Lifetime Sioux Center resident, um, had been uh, kind of 
on both sides of, of the area. So if you're familiar with Sioux Center, you know, you, it's very Dutch front. It's a very mm-hmm. nice community, very affluent community. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of wonderful people. And then there's also the same struggles that you see in any other community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reality there is it's often kind of either uh, avoided or swept under the rug or, you know, that kind of thing doesn't happen here. And so um, back in 2000, Jerry uh, was in the process. He had somebody come to him, uh, loved loved his heart, loved his heart for ministry and serving other people, and just said, Jerry, we want you to start something. And kind of gave him some seed money to get kicked off. And uh, in those early years, Jerry would uh, go mow lawns, get groceries for people, clean houses, you know, just serving people with whatever experience they were having. Um, kind of in the early 2000s, around 2005 is kind of when they settled on the mentorship model, um, basically from this idea of, you know, you can add at a certain pace, um, but you can multiply at an exponentially greater pace. And so if you equip people from the community who have a desire to serve others in a relational way, uh, with the tools that you're using to serve people as a staff person, your reach just becomes that much greater. Yeah. Now you used a very interesting word, phrase there, to serve people in a relational way, because that's the uh, a lot of times um, people don't understand that the that the real change doesn't take place uh, in in abstract ways, but it takes place in real concrete ways, mm-hmm. life on life. And uh, what's the when you say a relational way? Because that really resonates with me. What what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you said it. I mean, it's life on life. You know, it's it's thinking through who who are the people in my life right now. You know, whether it's family, uh, friends, kids, coworkers that I'm close with, and if they were going through a hard time, like how would I walk alongside them? You know, I would be there. I would be present. I would listen. I would, you know, bring a casserole for lunch. I, you know, all these little things that mm-hmm. we we do, I think, intuitively in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how do we take that? into the life of somebody who doesn't have that community around them. For a lot of our folks, you know, they're either have been through the foster care system. They don't know their parents. Their parents are gone. Their parents aren't living in Lincoln. Um, And the other community that surrounds them tends to be people that make the same challenging decisions that they do. So, So how do we take that relational peace that we do naturally with family and friends? And how do we do that with somebody that's really struggling in life? Mm. Now, what you mentioned that you you've worked was it with Atlas in New, York, New Orleans? No, it was a, a group, different ministry. Different ministry. Yeah. How would you? Uh, I think for those of us, I've never been there. I'll admit, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, someday maybe we'll get there. But, for sure. Um, but when I hear of New Orleans, again, I think of kind of deep urban, uh, you know, m- much more in crisis than what we are here in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Uh, I mean, one of the things that you. you I think you and other people who are in ministries like your or work like yours will say some version of, eh, but there's problems everywhere, even in small town Iowa. Sure. The How would you compare the scale of what you were doing in, in a place like New Orleans versus a place like Lincoln? Yeah, I think in New Orleans, it was it was maybe more intensified. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working in an area called the Hoffman Triangle, which uh, it has the or it has had one of the highest violent crime rates uh, mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. And so basically the work that we were doing uh, kind of spanned a few different things. One of them was we did things called blight busters where we just roll out in the neighborhood to abandon lots and just, you know, chopped it down, make made it look nice, you know, helped residents feel proud about 
where mm. they lived. Mm. Um, the other main focus of the work we did was with a lot of kids. So we ran a day program uh, for kids in the neighborhood, um, basically kind of through early afternoon. And then, then in the evenings, we would go out to different parks in the neighborhood um, and just kind of do some different activities with them. And so there was this really neat aspect of during the day, you know, we went out and brought the kids to us. And at night we went out and met them where they were at. Mm. Um, and I think as a, as a kind of comparison link into New Orleans, you know, the, maybe the scale in New Orleans is, is different, but I will say, you know, I've, uh, to twice now, um, where I live, there's been homicides next door to, to where I'm at, you know? So like those kinds of things are maybe fewer and farther between. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, you know, the same types of stuff happen just maybe at a different scale. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and and that's easy to, especially in a place like Lincoln, you can insulate yourself from that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, massive suburbs, acreages you can spread out. And and it's easy to forget that uh, again, that we do have the same problems that everybody else in the country has. For sure. Yeah. The uh, so the back to the founder then. So uh, he starts this starts a local chapter in, uh, I assume in the in was it uh, your hometown? Yep, in Sioux Center. In Sioux Center. And uh, how big is Sioux Center? Sioux Center now is probably between seven and eight thousand people. Yeah. Which in Nebraska that would make it like a second tier kind of yeah uh, city. <laughs> right i mean they're uh, you know maybe second third tier whatever it's not a small town it's right. it's a town of some size uh did did it surprise people in that town when he uh said no there's a need here it, you know it's 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 a maybe in iowa it's more of a small town in nebraska it'd be a mid-sized town but no there's a need right here hmm. not in new orleans not in chicago not in all these other places not even in omaha right but it's but right here there's a need how much resistance do you did he to your knowledge did he experience yeah from from the stories i've heard um there were some some spaces in the community that had a lot of resistance to it mm-hmm. um i think some of the uh some of the counseling agencies from my understanding didn't quite understand you know what the difference between mentoring and counseling was and i think mm-hmm. there was some resistance there mm-hmm. um and i think the so they've existed in uh, sioux center now for over 20 years and i think the beautiful thing about that is when you think about getting a mentor you imagine this sort of box where well my life's not that bad or you know people have it a lot worse than i do mm. and i think what the benefit of having existed for a couple decades in the town is that people recognize them as a safe place to come to mm. find somebody to talk to to find a caring presence mm. and it's not these you know massive sort of decentering life experiences it's just mm-hmm. You know, I'm not in a good place right now. I don't know why, but I want to go in and find somebody to talk to. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, I've lately I've been involved in some. Uh, I would call them uh, support groups or or uh, discussion groups, kind of things. Yeah. And I always make it real clear: this is not a therapy group. I'm not a therapist. Right. I'm not licensed <laughs> to do that. And and so there's like there's there is a line there somewhere. How would you d- distinguish them between, uh, for example, you mentioned mentoring versus counseling. I mean, we all kind of give, we give counsel from time to time, right. but, but what, what is it the, what is it you're trying to communicate when you make that distinction? Cause I think it's an important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, right out the gate, we're very explicit with people that, that come to us, you know, like we're not licensed counselors, we are not professionals, you know, in that sort of a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best illustration for, uh, the difference between what we do and what a counseling agency does, which 
valuable work, incredibly valuable work. I've benefited a ton from counseling my life. So Mm -hmm. this is more, I think, an addendum to seeking professional therapy. If you go to the supermarket, a counselor sees you, your counselor sees you, they're supposed to pretend like they don't know you unless you initiate conversation, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's laws around confidentiality and things like that, valuable, important, necessary. If you go to the supermarket and see your mentor, all of a sudden it's this exciting reunion where you just get to sit and chat, just catch up for five minutes, Mm. right? And there is such a value in being seen and being known in those sort of uh, surprising ways. And then also getting to see somebody that you know and care for and have walked in relationship with. So I I think that probably is the best illustration I can think of for the difference. That's a good one. The... uh... Uh, we, I have what I call the grocery store test to know if you're in a good relationship with somebody. Oh yeah. And that is that you, you see them, <laughs> do you just walk right ahead or do you hope they didn't see you and turn around? Right. And then you immediately know if you're in a good relationship with that person. Mm. But this is, uh, yeah, this is the uh, therapist test. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, this is my mentor. I, I can say hi to them. They can say hi to me. And, uh, so that's a, that's, that's a great illustration. Uh, hey, let's take a second break here. And mm-hmm. when we come back on your website, uh, there was something uh, that said, uh, I think a question. So what is the Atlas process? Mm. And uh, so let's uh, let's dig into that. What is if I come to you and I say, Brody, I'm I'm in deep waters. <laughs> what? Where do we go from there? OK, for sure. Sound good. Sounds awesome. All right. It's a friendly fire Saturday here on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning talking with uh, Brody Van Ruckel. He is the executive director of Atlas Lincoln. And uh, they're involved in, uh, uh, again, people who are in uh, in, in need and, and mentoring and so forth. And, and a variety of kind of situations it's mentoring. It's not therapy, <laughs> and uh, but coming alongside people mm-hmm. in a difficult. So uh, I noticed on the website. Maybe I don't have it exactly right, but it said some some version of what is the Atlas process. Mm. So I, I that was a knock by the way. I knock <laughs> on the door and I say, Hey, Brody, I've uh, you know I, my life's a mess. Yeah. You know, can you can we talk? What what where does that where does that process begin and where does it go? Yeah, for sure. So somebody comes to us through a variety of different channels. Um, you know, you could have a situation like that where somebody just off the street, you know, maybe they see their, our sign, maybe somebody's told them about us, um, or it's through a referral, through connections and partnerships with churches in the community, other nonprofits, businesses, things like that. So somebody gets to us, uh, we have them fill out an intake form, which is really kind of that first step on the journey. We want to see a mentee take that step of their own volition. Mm. Um, so when we get that form from them, then we kind of we kind of uh, uh, step into their situation. So basically, we take clients through an intake process, which lasts anywhere from six to eight weeks, kind of depending on what's going what's going on, uh, what their situation is. Through that process, we're we're working to build rapport, build trust, build some safety. You know, maybe that they haven't experienced before. We're also working to identify some more of the material needs that they're experiencing. So Mm -hmm. one of our uh, big commitments is as much as possible that we don't really provide material 
benefit or material relief to people just because there's tons of nonprofits that do that in Lincoln very well already. Mm -hmm. So what we do in the midst of that is, you know, say somebody uh, has a need and we can make a referral to another organization or to a church in Lincoln that can help address some of that need. Instead of making it sort of this cold handoff of, yeah, just call this number, just show up at this place at this time. You know, we want to go with somebody into that situation that might be, you know, anxious, anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. of going to a new place, asking for help. But instead say, you know, all right, let's set an appointment next week at this time when this place is going to be open. We'll jump in my car, we'll head over there and we'll walk you through the process just to help kind of mitigate any stress that is going to be happening for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. So as we're getting to know them, as we're getting them outsourced to different resources that are going to be able to help them, kind of on the other end, on the other half of it, uh, we're working to identify a mentor that's going to fit some of the criteria uh, based on shared experience, based on um, you know personality, based on schedule, even just on a logistical level. Um, and then working to equip them with some frameworks, some tools, just some kind of basic starter things that they're going to be able to connect with this person that, you know, they've never met before. They probably would have never met before were it not for kind of the bridge that was being built with Atlas in between them. Mm-hmm. So once we get somebody as a as a mentee to the end of the intake process, you know, they're resource, they're connected, they, you know, have built some trust with us get somebody to the end of the mentor equipping process with our training and just kind of those frameworks. Then we bring them together for what we call a pairing meeting in which we just ask each one of them, what's your story? You know, just share a little bit about yourself, share a little bit about where you've been. Um, and then they're kind of off and running on a, on a weekly basis. They meet for one hour over the course of a full year. Mm. Uh, as, as you were talking, um, I was thinking about, um, Again, this uh, well, the, one of the common questions I had is: so what are the most, what are the most one or two, maybe most common sorts of uh, of needs mm. or mentoring that's required? I, I would assume that you get a wide variety of things, but there, but are there one or two that are always kind of near the top things that that are pretty common that that people need mentoring in? Yeah, I would say probably the two most common threads um, among most mentees. Obviously, it's not all. Um, but would be either or substance abuse, mental health struggles. Um, Oftentimes those things are happening at the same time. And oftentimes those things are also impacting things like um, stable housing, income insecurity, uh, in and out of incarceration, um, all of those kinds of situations. Yeah. yeah. Now you're, is the, now Atlas is its own, uh, you know, uh, group. But uh, I know that you, again, had to, this original connection with F Street Neighborhood Church. Mm-hmm. Is there still kind of a symbiotic relationship there, or uh, how, does that, how does that work at this point? Yeah, absolutely. So biggest thing for us is just being a resource partner with them, uh, working to support things that they're doing. So they're doing awesome things with, like, a Celebrate Recovery, you know, uh, so faith-based, 12-step type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having a space to refer our folks that are, are wanting something like that. Uh, being available for, you know, if somebody goes to F Street in in seeking some benevolence help, um, being able to follow up kind of in a relational way um, just to kind of expand capacity for, you know, the number of people that are being served in our in our neighborhood. So mm-hmm. on, a, on a mentee level, uh, very much so kind of that back and forth, which has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, if you think about some of the people that have the, the things that worked well with, 
I don't know if, if you've got a story or two of somebody who came to you and and uh, and now is on a very different track. Mm. Uh, just kind of like what it looks like when somebody's life gets it gets transformed. I know you probably can't use names, but for sure we we can we can we can you know do it anonymously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so a, a few come to mind. Um, last year we so we'd been in our current office space for about a year at this point. Last year. Um, we had our sign up in our yard. Um, there was a lady that was walking by who later, you know, she shared with us, she was praying to God for a place where she could go, um, to just talk to somebody. She was just praying for help. Mm-hmm. Sees our sign in the yard, um, decides to come into the office. One of my coworkers was in there, just kind of connected with her a little bit, just checked in what was going on. Um, before she left, she said, thank you for letting me calm down in this place. I feel safe here. You know, things like that. Come to find out uh, when I come to the office the next day to meet with her, I had originally connected with her at F Street a few years ago. Uh, she kind of disappeared, didn't really know what happened to her. I knew she moved to the north side of town, um, had no idea. And so kind of, you know, God bringing this lady back around into the the atmosphere. Um, she was, uh, she had uh told her landlord that she wanted to move out of her apartment, but she didn't have a new apartment lined up. Um, and that had a lot to do with, you know, she has a lot of mental health struggles, a lot of past substance use. And so just kind of some different things going on there. And so, uh, one of our staff people was able to kind of help her, uh, one sort of decode the really complex, you know, Lincoln housing paperwork that everybody gets. And especially if you have struggles, you know, mentally, um, trying to figure out what it is that you have to do and where you have to call and what does this number mean? What does that saying mean? Just to help her kind of navigate that paperwork. Um, but was also to help her, uh, you know, call landlords, get apartment showing set up, you know, just helping her walk those steps. I mean, she did the work, but our staff was able to kind of walk alongside her where, you know, she had moved out of her apartment. She was on the streets for about six weeks, um, but we're able to get her into an apartment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's a new place where, you know, she can kind of s- try to step off from from where she's at again. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, so many times we want to just do it for them and be done with it, but to walk alongside and help someone do it themselves mm. is so much more empowering. Oh, absolutely. That's super cool. By the way, you use a little phrase here that I... I'm pretty sure it was it was on purpose. You talked about the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's, <laughs> I love that. That's the the atmosphere. So uh uh did did you coin that? I I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um yeah, so I mean it's it's like this idea that it's a hard thing to ask for help, right? Yeah, yeah. Um for any of us. Mm-hmm. And if you if you think about people that are in the situations that a lot of our folks are, they're constantly asking for help. Mm. And you know, believe it or not, unless you've talked to folks in those situations, like they're aware that that they are constantly asking for help. Mm. They have that awareness and they don't feel good about it, right? Mm. And so like trying to overcome that fear that they have in asking for help through that relational piece, right? You know, even, even in the language of mentor mentee, there's kind of a, there's kind of a hierarchy baked into it. Um, and as much as we can, we want to meet people at that equal level of 
you know, I, and, and part of that's the benefit of, I guess, not being quote unquote professionals either. You know, we don't have these degrees that would kind of potentially set us apart. It's just, you know, we're a group of folks as a staff and our volunteers are a group of folks who have had some training that want to meet you where you're at to kind of help dissolve that fear that you have for getting the help that you need yeah. in that relational way. Yeah, that's cool. They, they might feel a bit intimidated if they started talking about medieval history. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you're trying to avoid that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Only fun <laughs> yeah. facts for trivia with that. That's that's super cool. Okay, one last break. We're going to come back. We're going to do a shameless plug and, uh, and uh, wrap up some other loose ends here. So glad to have the listeners along today on a Friendly Fire Saturday talking uh, to Brody Van Ruckel here from Atlas Lincoln on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. I'm talking to Brody Van Ruckel here. He's the executive director of Atlas Lincoln. And uh, uh, Brody, it is that time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So I say to you, plug away. Tell us whatever it is that we need to know uh, to learn more about Atlas. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Sue. Uh, first thing, I would always point people just to our website. Um, I think we got a, a breadth of information there on both just kind of past stories, current happenings, upcoming events, things like that. So people can head to www.atlaslincoln.org. Um, that'll also give them a number of channels for connections, whether they got questions, whether they want to become a mentor, whether they want to get a mentor, um, to check out past media that we've done, newsletters, annual reports, all that stuff. So you can kind of read until your heart's content at our website. Uh, the other big thing, we're always looking for mentors. Um, we've kind of navigated this a little bit over the years that we've been here in Lincoln of, you know, do we want to have more mentors than we do mentees or do we want to wait till we get mentees to start getting mentors? Mm. Um, we have definitely kind of leaned more towards the former um, from the standpoint of, you know, we train mentors and they might have to wait six, eight, nine months before they get a mentee that's going to be a good match. Mm -hmm. But we would rather have a mentor waiting and just engaging with us in different ways than having to make a mentee wait. Gotcha. to get their mentor. Yeah. So yeah, I just uh, would love to have anybody who's interested uh, in becoming a mentor. The things that I always tell people is if you can listen and you can be present with somebody, you can be a mentor. And like, mm -hmm. those are the two big things for becoming a mentor. Um, and there are some channels on our website as well uh, to be able to, to connect with us in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, none of this, ha you know, you're um Staff and everything isn't free, so uh, people can make a donation as well. It's on the website. Yep. And the website, again, is? www.atlaslincoln.org. All right, atlaslincoln.org, because they're Atlas other places. Exactly. And so that's the they're all going to have their own city in the in the URL or whatever we call that, the yep. domain. Yep. Yes. Um, there are... Uh, Every every uh, nonprofit like like yours is is not only trying to do what they're doing, but they also have a few things on the horizon. Of mm -hmm. hey, you know what? If if a big gift came in or you know a door opened, you know where there's hey, there's two or three things that we might do mm. in the future. Possibly, is there anything that comes to mind for Atlas? 
Yeah, for sure. So one on the on the shorter term, this I guess is more of an event. So kind of a tangent to to your question. We're uh, we'll be celebrating five years uh, this summer. So we're gonna have a just big shindig for that. People can find information on our on our social medias on our website with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your question, I think the a thing that we so I kind of have two dreams mm-hmm. um, here in Lincoln. One is to take the model of Atlas in smaller towns and how do you apply that to Lincoln? Well, you just start opening other offices in other neighborhoods. You know, so we are officing out of a residential duplex right now. So can we find a duplex in Havelock, in Belmont, in Air Park, in South Lincoln, in, you know, any neighborhood in Lincoln where somebody calls us and says, hey, I really need somebody to talk to. Instead of getting on a bus or driving for half an hour Mm -hmm. to get to our office, we can say, hey, there's an Atlas two blocks away from your house. You can literally walk there. So opening up satellite offices across the community. And then also trying to structure something of a one-stop shop, if I can call it that. Um, every year, the Lincoln Homeless Coalition does something called Project Connect Lincoln, in which dozens, if not hundreds, of uh, community agencies work at Pinnacle Bank Arena for a day, just connecting with people that need their services. Um, it's an amazing event. Love seeing so many awesome people doing great work. And what would it look like to be able to have a place where that's present year round where you can show up and find connection with some drug and alcohol treatment. You can find some help with mental health struggles. You can get signed up for Lincoln housing. You can get signed up for snap benefits and you can get a mentor on top of all of that. So to have that one-stop shop in which community agencies are working together and networking together and supporting one another, um, instead of having to be bop all over town to the, you know, to the different nonprofits that you need help from. Yeah. That every community is different when it comes to that. And and the funny thing is I don't I don't think it that I'm I think they rely upon each other and, and know that they need each other, but but it takes energy to be connected mm, in that way. For sure. Uh is that have you seen that actually modeled in some other communities? Uh, because I I mean I don't I think anybody who hears you describe that would say, Oh, yeah, we need that. Yeah. But it's but it's hard to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean we're we're taking steps towards that. So with the office space that we have now, we're currently uh, co-officing with a church plant that's really focused on just like life on life stuff. Like we are, um, still looking for another, you know, mission aligned type nonprofit or thing like that to, to share space with us. Um, just to kind of start that collaborating function. Um, I visited in the Atlas in Lincoln, or I'm sorry, in Michigan, uh, a couple of years ago. And so they were, uh, officing out of a former hospital at a place called city on a hill. So this ministry organization had bought this hospital, had retrofitted the entire thing out and was able to rent out, you know, old clinic rooms, old meeting rooms to different nonprofits at super affordable rates so that you could really have that sort of uh, umbrella approach to, hey, this is where everybody's at. Like, come and just get connected with everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple minutes left. Um, one of the things that uh, you get involved in something like this and... Uh, and you think, well, you know, I want to help people. There's things I want to do with people. But I, but in the couple of minutes here that we have left, I just want to ask, how has Atlas changed you? Mm. Because sometimes we we forget that in uh, uh, we're Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. We, uh, the, you know, Jesus. Uh, one of the ways that He changes us is by teaching us to serve other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, what are what are some of the key ways? Whether it's you, your family, or whatever, you'd say, you know, I. I knew I was going to, I was going to try to help other people, but this is what Atlas, this is how Atlas has changed me. Yeah, for sure. I love that question. Um, 
So growing up, I, I experienced a lot of the things that uh, some of our folks are when it comes to, you know, uh, addiction, abuse, things like that. And uh, for a long time, I felt uh, a responsibility in those things, you know, like a kind of control, like I need to, I need to be better. I need to do something about this. And I think as I've reflected in kind of how four and a half years in this ministry has changed me, um, thinking about uh, something I read uh, not too long ago about how we as people serving with Christ's love are to be a reflection of the love that God has for people. And so it's not about what I can do. It's not about how I'm going to fix you. It's not about... I need you to do this for me. It's about reflecting that love that God has for God's beloved creation and just being present. And that's how you reflect it. I mean, it's hard to reflect when you're asking people to do things for you or Mm. to, to do this, to do that, but to instead just be kind of an, an open ear, um, an open presence and just being able to reflect, um, that deep love that God has, um, you know, and it's hard because we have less control over that. We don't know how that reflection is going to be taken. Um, but I think that's where faith in the, in the work of the Holy Spirit comes in as well. Yeah, yeah. I, the power of listening is, is way underrated. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and there are, the, it's interesting. I, for the listeners, I would challenge you to think about in your own life, who are the people who really listen to me? Mm. And they're, they're not on their, fiddling on their phones. They're not thinking about the next thing to do, but they actually stop and look at me and they listen to me. And I will guarantee you that those are people who have great influence in your life. Mm, absolutely. And you yeah. can tell, right? You know yes. when somebody is or if they aren't. Yes. Yes, you can. The rest of you who are doing that, you're not fooling us. We know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, Brody, thanks so much for coming in today. Uh, just uh, great to, uh, again, spend more time with you and uh, learn more about Atlas. Yeah, thank you so much, too. Really appreciate it. You bet. Uh, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. That's atlaslincoln.org. And I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.